It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast, where today we're going to talk about college football week one shockers, things that happened in week one that has kind of been, you know, a shocker to people, uh, whether it was certain scores, who beat who, um, any type of upsets. Uh, it's not going to be necessarily a college football week one review that we already did, but these are going to be some shockers just adding on to what happened in week one of college football, which was exciting. It was fun. College football being back is great for everybody. Uh, I think it's way better than NFL. People are excited for NFL, but just to have football on uh, is fantastic, and it's just great to have 
college football be here. So we're talking about all the shockers that we had in week one. Make sure you hit the like button, subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Of course, follow me at coach underscore Steve 72 on Twitter. Send me a message to be on the podcast. Leave a comment in the comment section down below. Uh, check out the Belly Up Media Network at bellyupsports.com. There's blogs and podcasts and everything for everybody there, not just sports-related. There's other things there. So, again, bellyupsports.com to check all that out. Uh, it's a great place to go check everything out and get a bunch of different content. Um, also, make sure you guys are rating, reviewing on Apple and iTunes. A uh, great way to help promote the show to do that. Uh, and check out all the other episodes. So let's start with college football shockers, in my opinion. Uh, we're going to talk about certain upsets or certain things that happened um, in college football week one. It was exciting. It's fun to be watching college football again. And I'm glad that we didn't have to wait till week four or five to really get some upsets or shockers. Um, we are going to start off with Virginia Tech versus Old Dominion. Uh, Virginia Tech, if you listen to my um, – ACC conference breakdown. Virginia Tech was one of those teams that was a question mark where I wasn't sure how they were going to be this year. Uh, Virginia Tech historically has been a good football team. They've always played tough defenses, but with coaching changes, different assistant coaching changes, the conference around them in the ACC getting better, teams are getting better. They have been up and down. They have that question mark. And I even said at the beginning of the year, on principle, Virginia Tech should win this game against Old Dominion. Well, Old Dominion made me put my foot in my mouth. I'm eating crow. I'm going to, you know, everything. They came in and beat Virginia Tech at home, I believe, at home. Uh, they beat them 20-17. to 17. Uh, Virginia Tech scored seven in that first quarter. Then they scored 10 in the third. They did not score in the second or the fourth. Old Dominion flip-flopped them. They scored 10 in the second and 10 in the fourth to get the big win over Virginia Tech. To me, congratulations to Old Dominion. You cannot take the win away from them. If you're Virginia Tech, you are sitting there embarrassed saying, how did we lose to a lower-level Division One team? How did we possibly lose to them where Virginia Tech, enter Sandman coming in as one of the best intros people I think a college football could have, and it's a whole argument to be debated. How on principle could you lose to Old Dominion? 20 to 17. That was a huge shocker. And I have to, I mean, it's hats off to Old Dominion. You cannot take anything away from them. But that's, you know, Virginia Tech almost should be embarrassed. Um, they could not stop the shorter passing game. Uh, their quarterback for Old Dominion had 165 yards passing, but he had no touchdowns. Uh, rushing, they only had 19 yards rushing. Old Dominion just said, we are going to make sure you don't get the football. Virginia Tech has to take advantage of those opportunities. Virginia Tech's quarterback threw four interceptions, which doesn't help. But you have to take advantage of the other team not necessarily playing well. You know, Old Dominion only had 245 total yards. So the defense was doing their job at the offense. My God, you turned the ball over four times. Um, penalties killed Virginia Tech. They had 14 of them for 100 yards. Five total turnovers, a fumble, and four interceptions. Old Dominion tried to keep the ball away from Virginia Tech, but by God, Virginia Tech, you are Virginia Tech. They just, this was a classic overlooking somebody and getting your butt whipped at the end and overlooking a team. It goes back to that Nick Saban rant where I cannot I can't remember who they're playing, but in the you know uh, 
interview they were doing with him. They asked him, oh, this is a perfect game to get guys in. You know, you get guys reps. And he said, why, why are we talking about getting who, what playing time? Because we are playing a Division One opponent. And anything can happen at any given time. So our starters are going to go in. They're going to get reps and everything else. He's called a timeout being up 50 or 60 before to coach the guys. So this was just a classic, you know, we're playing Old Dominion. It doesn't matter. Virginia Tech's head should be down. That program will be in disarray probably the rest of the season. And I know that may be overreaction, but maybe this is a wake-up call because it doesn't get any easier. You got to play Boston College. Boston College isn't a cupcake. I'm not saying that Boston College is a dominant program. That's not a cakewalk. Then you got Wofford, but you lose to Old Dominion. Can't, it's hard to sit there and say that you won't beat them. Then you've got West Virginia, who played Pittsburgh tough. North Carolina, who can score 60-some points. Pitt, who is very tough. Miami, who's going to be tough. NC State. So Virginia Tech is very possible. The only next game that they will probably win is Wofford. Then after that, they might not win another game until November. It's very possible to go through the whole month of October and not win a game. So this just kind of puts them way set back, losing to Old Dominion in 2017. They should be embarrassed that their head's down. Incredible to see them lose to that. Moving on to another college football game that was a shocker-ish, shocker-ish. And I say soccer-ish because of who the opponents are and who they were playing. The North Carolina Tower Heels and Appalachian State. Now, <laughs> I don't think they remembered how to play defense. Uh, or the offenses were just that much better. Now, I said this, again, the ACC preview. I said North Carolina has another question mark. Because going into last year, I had, was really high on them. The way they played during the COVID year. The way their offense worked. Mac Brown has that. I thought it had it rejuvenized. I was very high on North Carolina last year, and they disappointed me. Uh, but to come in and score 63 points is great. But you give up 61 to Appalachian State, who you got to give them credit to score 61 points on North Carolina. You know, I know App State is now Division One, but to score it on a bigger Division One team, no matter who it is, is, is amazing. So this was just fireworks. And App State was winning in that first quarter 14-7. to and then North Carolina turned it on, scoring 21 in the second and 13 in the third. And then App State said, wait a minute, we can play football. We beat Michigan before. We've beaten Coast Carolina before that people were high on. We're going to come in and score 40 in the fourth quarter. So North Carolina's defense, kind of like Oklahoma State's defense, I gave up all those points to Central Michigan, needs to look themselves in the mirror and go, how on God's green earth do we give up 40 points in the fourth quarter? 40 points in the fourth quarter. I've coached high school teams, and I've been a part of some ass whippings that we have given, and um, I've gotten my ass whipped. And I don't know if I've ever been a part of getting 30 points or so scored on in a quarter. I don't think I've been on a team that scored 30 points in a quarter. I don't think a team has scored maybe once, but it's hard to score 40 points in a high school game I got to imagine, I know, it's almost dead impossible to score 40 points in one quarter in college football. North Carolina's defense just said, nah, we're not going to play. Now, thank goodness their offense was playing, and they scored all the points they did in the second and third quarter, and even scoring 22 in the fourth. But if you're in North Carolina, you have to be a little concerned. Now, again, I can't take things away from App State because their offense said, screw you, we're going to go play, and they played well. Trust me, they played well. But if you're in North Carolina, this should concern you a little bit with your defense, and I'm sure Mac Brown is addressing that. 
But that's a big concern to give up 61 points. Now, in turn, App State's thinking the same thing. How can our defense give up 63 points? And it's hard to say a moral victory because you're playing North Carolina. This is still looking at your defense going, how do we give up 63 points? How do we give up 61 points? Like, that's and then that's hard to do. But North Carolina, they probably got chewed out. This has probably been a tough week of practice to give up 40 points in the fourth quarter. That's that's I don't know which is more embarrassing, Virginia Tech losing to Old Dominion or North Carolina give up 40 points in the fourth quarter. That defensive coordinator probably didn't sleep. He still probably hasn't slept. The offense played great for North Carolina. Their new quarterback, 24 35, 352 yards, and four touchdowns. That's amazing. Rushing the football was a little suspect because Caleb Hood it was their leading rusher for 87 yards, and then their next leading rusher was their quarterback with 76 yards. So they have to fix the run game. But passing yards, they spread all over the place. They had good um, distribution for touchdown catches. And then Chase Bryce, the quarterback for App State, 361 passing yards, six touchdowns, and one interception. So without that interception, they still may be playing. Running the football, Nate Noel had 116 yards rushing with two touchdowns. They had better rushing than North Carolina without their running back, with within, within through their running backs, and their wide receivers distributed the ball well. So this was almost an evenly matched game. But if you're on principle, you're saying North Carolina wins this game, but both of those defensive coordinators are still probably to this day have not slept from that game to give up those type of points. They will probably never sleep until. Uh, they give up only 14 points. But if you like offense, that was a great game. But even me, I love offense. I loved seeing a 63 to 61. But I do love me a 28 to 21 game. I do love a, you know, 30 something to 28 game. I like, you know, when then once in a while I like seeing 17 to 20 games, something like that. But even that was like, oh my goodness, like, is there any defense going to be played? So both those teams, I'd be a little concerned with those defenses, which can fix them. You know, you can fix giving up 40 points and maybe they just stop playing because they were up so much. They had this cushion, but even then you don't give up those points. Uh, so those were a little bit of, that was another shocker to me. A shocker that stuck out to people, I don't know if people are going to talk about it that much, was Delaware versus Navy. Now Delaware, you know, home of the Delaware wing tee. Uh, offense there. I, I think they still run s- something like that still. I know they used to. Then you got Navy, of course, who runs uh, wing T looking offense, but it's triple option out of it and run all that stuff. So the triple option, and there was another game we'll talk about with triple option later on in the Shockers. Navy was supposed to come in and have a big year. They had they were you know not too bad last season. The, the season before, they struggled a little bit. Um... But coming into this year, you thought after the year they had last year, um, trying, you know, coming off beating Navy, you thought they'd be good. Now, they didn't have this fantastic year last year. They lose to Marshall. They lose to Air Force. They lose to Houston. Uh, they beat UFC, which was a big win. They lose a close one to SMU. They lose to Memphis. They lose a very, very close one to Cincinnati. They beat Tulsa. Lose to Notre Dame. Lose a heartbreaker to East Carolina. Beat Tro- uh, Temple. And beat Army. So coming off ending of being Army, being young last year, you thought coming into 2022 that they could come in and make some noise. But coming in and losing to a team like Delaware, who, again, not taking anything away from Delaware, but you're you're thinking on principle Navy would win this game. That's what you're thinking. Because um, looking back at Delaware's uh, schedule last year, they beat Maine, they beat St. Francis for out of Pennsylvania, they lose to Rutgers. 
They beat Albany. Then they lose to Rhode Island, Stony Brook, James Madison. They beat Dixie State. They beat William Mary. Then they lose to Richmond and lose to Villanova. So it's not like they're playing world beaters. It's not like they're doing anything like that. So you would think on principle that Navy comes in and beats them. They don't. Delaware gets a big win over them, 14-7. to This is a huge blow to Navy. This is a huge blow to Navy. Uh, you know, the run-based type of offense, keep Delaware on the sideline, milk the clock, score a couple points, and come out of there with a win against a team that should not compete with you. So again, another, you know, disappointing type of picks for people. I hope they didn't bet on this. Um, Nolan Henderson for Delaware. Had a good game passing. He was 20-32, 189 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, That's all they did, running the ball. They did not virtually run the ball at all. They just spread around to different receivers. Um, Navy didn't really have a huge great game on the ground. I believe 184 yards rushing total, which I guess by their stand, my standards, that's pretty good. But for theirs, I I know they want more. Um, They only passed the ball a handful of times. Uh, their quarterback was 5 of 13, 135 yards, no touchdown passes at all. They only had one rushing touchdown coming from their quarterback. Um, so not too, you know, excitement stuff coming out of Navy there for their um, play. They were 0 of 3 on fourth downs. They did have 319 total yards, um, but they only had 184 yards rushing. And by their standards, they want way more rushing yards than that. So this was another one where you're looking at it on paper and going, hmm, Navy should have won this game, but this is why you play the game. Delaware came in and said, ah, not gonna, Navy, you're not going to beat us. We're going to come in, we're going to compete, we're going to hit, we're going to do things to try to win this ball game more than you. And Navy even had the ball longer, 32 minutes to 27 minutes. Uh, so Delaware just did more than Navy, and so to me, this was a shocker because Navy should come in and win this game 21-7, 28-7, with 300 yards rushing and like at least a passing touchdown somewhere there. So, you know, kudos to Delaware and their defense to what they did and how their offense operated to come away with that victory. Um, And so Navy does lose to Delaware – 14 to 7. Moving on to one that was a shocker for me a little bit, a little bit because I was high on Houston. Uh, was Houston playing UTSA? Now, last year, UTSA had a great run. Offense coordinator went to Illinois. They had plenty of great players. People are still high on UTSA coming into this year. <clears throat> I was high on Houston uh, with the type of offense they run. Uh, I think they're going to be more physical than they were, how explosive they can be. They were like a roller coaster over the past few years. You know, they played very, very well. Very, very uh, high, excuse me, very, very high competitiveness. And I thought they'd come in and win this game. UTSA said, screw everybody. We're, again, you're seeing a theme here. Screw everybody. We're the lower division one, quote unquote, school. Houston, we're going to take it to you. And it took an overtime couple overtimes to beat them it took a couple okay so Houston ends up getting the win 37-35 but it was scoreless in the first quarter and at halftime UTSA is up 14 to 7 and then UTSA scores 7 in the third and Houston scores none so now you're up 21-7 in the fourth quarter defense let down again 
Houston scores 17 in the fourth. UTSA only scores three. And then in overtime, we get 13 points scored by Houston, 11 points scored by UTSA. So Houston held on to survive, which you have to give them kudos to them. UTSA let one slip away from their fingers, which they're going to talk about for a while. But if you're Houston, again, how do you let a team hang around? How do you make this a close game like it is? So this concerns me for some of these teams that this has happened to. And it's not like Houston came in and just lit it up. They didn't light it up till the fourth quarter. Clayton Toon, their quarterback, was 22 of 32, 206 yards and three touchdown passes. Running the football, they had a whole bunch of runners, which was nice to see. Uh, Their quarterback had 50 yards rushing. Brandon Campbell came in with 49 yards. Henry had 25 yards. So they spread out between the quarterback and other running backs. Spread out to the receivers. That's cool. But their defense, see, this is a theme of defense. I know college football and the rules are geared towards offense, but... Man, defenses, some of them got to step up. Frank Harris, the quarterback at UTSA, had 337 passing yards, three touchdowns to one interception. Running the football, he also had 63 yards on the ground. Uh, Traylon Smith had 34 yards rushing, so it was hard to rush them, but they were passing all over the place. Uh, Their quarterback, Joshua Sipas, had 106 yards receiving. Zachary Franklin had 100 yards receiving. Daquan Clark had 70 yards receiving. UTSA had good receivers last year, and it has continued. It has continued on to this year. They are no slouch, and they have proven that last year, and they proved it now based in Houston. Now, again, Houston's not a world beater. This is not Alabama we're playing. This is not Clemson we're playing. This is not Ohio State or Notre Dame we're playing. This is Houston. And David Holgerson is trying to turn it into that big-time program. But they've been pretty decent, I think. And the type of offense they run... Um, you have to think they're always in games, they're always able to score. But this is a, t- a game, again, on principle, you're saying, hmm, they should win that game. Now, Houston has some games on their schedule they can win. But after that performance, they have to be a little worried. But a positive thing that they can take from this is we held on to this game. We had to get into overtime to do it. And we we handled that adversity so that is positives that you can take away from it, but there's also those things that you have to worry about now because it happened to UTSA, who's supposed to be this lower-level Division One than what you are at Houston. All you football coaches out there, it's not too late to still be looking up drills. I know we're in our football seasons, going into our football seasons, but it's never too late to get back to the basics, and Coach Stone has done just that by creating his Back to the Basics drill manuals So if you go to CoachStoneFootball.com, click on Back to the Basics Drill Manuals, there's drills out there for everything, special teams, offense, defense, strength and conditioning, everything. He has done all the work for us to be simple, to get these drills to help us. You could be using them in youth, high school, and even college. We, We make things too complicated. We need drills that are simple and back to the basics. His very first book is over 500 pages of drills. So go again, go to CoachStoneFootball.com, click on Back to the Basics Drill Manuals, and uh, let's get back to the basics. Thank you, Coach Stone, for sponsoring the podcast. Football coaches out there, do you ever stop and think about all the hits your big guys are taking in the trenches, your D-line, your offensive line? Because they hit each and every play. And that's why it's the best position in football. But they take a lot of hits and practices into the game. It's a lot of hits they're taking, a lot of blows. So there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the impact those guys are taking each and every week. And it's Guardian Caps at Guardian Sports. It helps reduce the impact by up to 30%, which is huge. So there's a way to protect the helmets, protect those guys. 
Uh, again, that's Guardian Sports. If you go to guardiansports.com slash guardian dash caps and you use the code 15 off, it's going to save you 15% off your order. Um, there's different colors out there and it doesn't matter if you're buying one, two, three, four, a hundred. doesn't matter. It's worn by over five NFL teams. More NFL teams are adding more and more each day and you're seeing on TV and over 200 plus colleges. Again, you're seeing colleges left and right get them. There's a reason why they're getting them. And they that's why you see a lot of linemen and defensive linemen wear them. You've seen Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Penn State, and big-time NFL teams wear them. So if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for us. And I know it costs money, but I'm here to save you money. So guardiansports.com slash guardian-caps and use the code 15 off. It will save you 50% off your order. Thank you, Guardian Sports, for sponsoring this podcast. So hopefully Houston can bounce back, figure that out for them. Let's talk about... The, probably the lowest scoring football game we've seen in a while or one of the ones we're going to talk about. Um, South Dakota State Jackrabbits went on to play the Iowa Hawkeyes. And no offense, South Dakota State. Their quarterback uh, is from Nequa Valley High School in Illinois where I coached basketball at. Did not get to meet this young man, but you know, having a little bit of ties hearing about him, people talk about him. They played in their championship game uh, last year, the year before. So they're no slouch of a subdivision one or whatever whatever the term is, one double A, subdivision one, whatever it is. Uh, but they're no slouch. But you're the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I was big on Iowa last year. I thought they could get to the Big Ten title game and win the Big Ten. I was wrong. They started to flutter out a, a little bit. And talking about my Big Ten preview, you're thinking – yeah, this is no slouch you're playing. They're going to give you a good test. But you're a Division One team and a Power 5 program, of big, and especially the Big Ten. And you're Iowa, who is very physical on defense. You're very physical running the football. That Not saying you're going to win 50 to nothing, but you're going to win 30-something to 7 or whatever it is. So you give all the credit in the world to South Dakota. Give all the credit in the world to them. Now, they did not get the win. But it was five to three in the fourth quarter. Listen to this. Iowa wins seven to three. In the first quarter, Iowa's up three nothing. And you're going, okay. You know, Iowa's getting their feet under them. Uh, South Dakota State's getting some confidence, but Iowa's getting their feet under them. Well, then South Dakota State scores three in the second. So at halftime, it's six six. And you're going, what is going on here? And then the third, Iowa gets a safety and there's two points. Then in the fourth quarter, it's still five to three. Then they get two more points, and they win seven to three. First of all, have you heard two safeties like that in a game? I don't know if I have. I, I can't think of the top of my head. But seven to three. This should be very, very alarming to Iowa, where you're supposed to compete in the Big Ten. When you have a quote unquote down year, then the next year Iowa is always good. This, not saying they can't go on a run. And I know that we're dealing with colleges who don't get preseason games like the NFL to really fine-tune what they do and get game experience. This is the first game for a lot of people in week one. Now, if you play in week zero, this is your second game, so you have a little bit of your feeding under you. Uh, but for this, they don't get a preseason. We're dealing with 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, 21-year-old kids. And so they have to get their feet under them. But on principle, you're looking at Iowa in the Big Ten, 
being this physical team on defense all the time and offense and their pro-style offense that they do to run the football, people fullback dives and tight end blocking and all that good stuff. Going against a smaller Division One school, one AA school, you were sitting there going, Iowa should win 20 to 30 points. So South Dakota came in and said, no, no, no. So this should be alarming for Iowa and how you were playing, not getting the football and scoring when you needed to. This should be alarming to Iowa. They can fix it and go on a run, but it should be a little bit of alarming. Your quarterback, Patrice, I can never say his name, 109 yards passing. That's it. And one interception. He was 11 of 25 rushing the football. They're running back LaShawn Williams, 72 yards rushing. That's it. They had negative rushers on there. The quarterback had negative rushings on there, so it brought their rushing down. Receiving, Arlen Bruce had 68 receptions. Their running back had 23 reception yards. That's it. South Dakota State didn't have better numbers, but these are the type of numbers you'd expect out of Iowa to do to them. But the offense on Iowa, there was nothing. I don't even know if they were there. I don't know if they were there. Total yards for Iowa is 166. 109 passing yards, 57 yards rushing because of the negative rushing yards from their quarterback. Now, South Dakota shot themselves in the foot. They could have won this game. They had 12 penalties. They were 0-1 on fourth down. They were 3-16 of on third down. Iowa wasn't better, 4-17. of If I'm an Iowa fan, and I'm looking at the quarterback play versus this team, and I'm looking at the overall running backs for this game and how they played and how everything was just not there... They have to come out and dominate, and they didn't. I don't know if because they overlooked this team. I don't know if South Dakota was – it's one thing to watch on TV. Were they that much more physical than Iowa up close? You wouldn't think so. It's Iowa. When you think Iowa, when I think Iowa, I think of hard-hitting linebackers. I think of good tackling safeties. I think of a quarterback that can manage the game and throw short to intermediate and once in a while hit a deep ball. I think of hard nose running. I think of hard blocking from a fullback. All that stuff to where you could just physically dominate. Again, I was not going to score 50 points. They're not that type of team that's going to come in and say we have to score 50 points. Like Ohio State probably has that goal somewhere. This is a team that says we can score 28 points and you score zero and win the game and we'll win the game and we're fine with it. But seven to three to South Dakota to South Dakota State does not. It, it's not. It's just not something that you would think would ever happen at all, and it did. So you have to give South Dakota State props. Now again, South Dakota State's quarterback is from Naperville. He went to Nequa Valley. Good quarterback there. He got hurt last year as a freshman when he was taking him to the championship game and all that good stuff. He did what he needed to do. I know he only had 87 passing yards, but it was against Iowa. So you got to take the good things when you can. But if I'm Iowa fans, I'm I am I'm even thinking like, hmm, because now you got Iowa State coming in who could probably win. Michigan could beat them if they play that way. Illinois is going to get them. Northwestern's going to get them because Northwestern's physical. Purdue with their passing game, they could get them. So if I'm Iowa, and I'm an Iowa fan, I'm a little worried after that. But they came out with the one 7-3, but I, I'm i still a little worried. On to the next one. I told you we're going to get back to triple option. And if you love triple option, old school, new school, you probably were glued to this game. Army playing Coastal Carolina. 
This is a dream for people that want to watch Triple Option. And you're looking at this, and it was a toss-up because Army being physical and who they are, you think they could win this game. But Coastal Carolina coming off hot a couple years ago and did good last year as well. Good coaching staff. They have fun. Their offense is fun. You're going to start seeing high schools all over the place, how they run their option and RPOs. It's going to be all over the place. But this is still a toss-up because if Army plays clock control, they'd be very physical, they can win. But if Army doesn't capitalize, if Coastal Carolina makes a couple big plays, they get the win. And that's what happened. They get the win 38-28. And this isn't like a shocker, shocker. It was just a fun one to bring up. I could have done my college football one review, but this was just a quote-unquote shocker because you think Army being physical and who they are would come in and win this game. But Coastal Carolina is fun to watch. I, I almost guarantee you that I will see some of the things for their offense who want to take from him, and it's going to be almost a new wave like Gus Malzahn's offense when he was at Auburn. This is going to be something you're going to see trickle down to high schools. Um, But if you're running the football type of coach or a fan and triple option, this was perfect for you, perfect for you. Because just listen to these stats if you like running the football. Uh, Central uh, Coast Carolina's quarterback, Grayson McCall, he was 12 of 17, 174 yards and three touchdowns. Now, I know if you like run the football, you're hearing, oh, three touchdown passes. Well, only 174 yards. But Reese White, the running back, had 133 yards rushing. Another running back, C.J. Beasley, 91 yards rushing. Their quarterback had 27 yards rushing. You like the sound of that. Army played two quarterbacks. <laughs> Total, four of eight, 142 yards. They only passed the ball eight times. So people like to hear that. Rushing, Tyrell Robinson. Tyrell Robinson uh, running the football had 73 yards. Marshall had 60 or 54 yards rushing. Um, Isaiah Alston had 15 yards rushing. Receiving for Army, non-existent. Receiving for Coastal Carolina, they did. Uh, they had some receivers there: 69 yards, 42 yards, 29 yards, 20 yards. Uh, this was a fun. This was a fun game. Um, first downs. Coastal Carolina had way more first downs than Army. Coastal Carolina kept Army's offense on the sideline. Coastal Carolina had the ball for 36 minutes, 16 seconds. Army only had it for 23. So Coastal Carolina really played clock control and ran the ball really well. They had 437 total yards. Again, 263 rushing yards from them versus 202 from Army. Um, so Coast Carolina really stuck to their game plan very well. And then when you do, you you will come out to win most of the time. So they get that one 38 to 28. Just a fun game to talk about if if you like running the football and triple option. The next one, I'm just going to talk about it very, very quick. Very, very quick because I've talked about this one team too many times. Too many times. Nebraska played North Dakota. Now, not North Dakota State that wins championship after championship. This is just North Dakota, the Fighting Hawks. Nebraska played them. They came off that loss to to Northwestern and Ireland, which I called. And people wanted to say I was biased and say Nebraska's on a high and they're going to beat Northwestern. And I've already talked about it. This was a close game. It was a very close game. Uh, Nebraska was winning 7-0 in the first. And then at halftime, it was 7-7. Now, again, on principle, you're in Nebraska. People are very high on Nebraska this year. Um, you're in the Big Ten. You're a historical program. You should be beating North Dakota by more than that. Then the third quarter, North Dakota scores 10. Nebraska does score 17. So now um, Northwest, or Nebraska is up. 
And then, and then they started to wear down North Dakota a little bit. And Nebraska scores 14 in the fourth. North Dakota scores none in the fourth. So Nebraska got the win 38-17. But that was a close game up until partway through the third. And North Dakota just started to get worn down, which is supposed to happen. And I'm sorry to North Dakota for saying that. Any fans that stumble upon this. But what I was hearing, seeing on social media was how happy people were with Nebraska. They were jumping up and down and and everything else. And during the time, though, when it was a close game, uh, calling for Scott Frost and everything else, and then when this happened, they were all jumping up and down, hooping and hollering. Some programs, you can jump up and down, hooper and holler. Some are going to say they need to jump down, hooper and holler. And I'm talking about the fans. They're hooping and hollering because they won. And maybe you have to because Nebraska's been on a down since they fired Bo Pliny, who won 8 to 10 games every year. Nebraska, this is what you're supposed to do. Nebraska is a historical program. They travel very well. Their fans travel very well. Fans, I'm sorry to tell you, you're supposed to be a team like this. It's supposed to be business as usual. This was Ohio State that played North Dakota, and they won 40-something to 10. They say business as usual. They're excited for the win because it adds to their win total, helps them later on when they're looking to get in the Big Ten Championship game, maybe a playoff conversation. And I can't believe I used Ohio State as an example because I hate Ohio State. But they would say business as usual. And if you're in Nebraska, this should not this should be business as usual, fans. This should not be talking about how great you are because you beat North Dakota. You're still in a downward Nebraska, I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna say it a lot. I'll probably say it again. They're in a down world spiral. They play Georgia Southern next. And if they play the way they did versus North Dakota, Georgia Southern could get that win. And then this is where it starts. You get Oklahoma, Oklahoma's going to win. They're going to play Indiana. They could beat Indiana, but Indiana, if they start figuring out their – they get the run game going, they get the receiver still hot, they can win that game. Rutgers is not going to be a pushover. Purdue can pass the ball. There's a chance for them to win, but they've already started bad. Northwestern, I told you, was physical. North Dakota just got worn down. Why are we jump up and down, hoop and holler like we won the Big Ten? Nebraska is in a down world spiral. And we need to stop and think about who we're celebrating that they beat because as Nebraska and the program, this is not something that you should be excited about. This should be something that's just business as usual. So I added this into my quote-unquote shocker because I was shocked about all the stuff I was seeing from them. But this is, should just be business as usual for them. And I don't know why it's not. Uh, they've really fallen on hard times if they're excited about that type of win. But... They got the win nonetheless. Um, that wraps up this episode for our college football shockers. Uh, thank you guys for watching and or listening. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow me at Coach underscore Steve72 on Twitter. Send me a message. Leave a comment in the comment section down below. All that good stuff. Follow Ray on iTunes and Apple. Check out all the other episodes. Check out uh, later on our Illini preview versus this week versus Virginia and other college football news and then also be on the lookout um, for Chicago Bears each and every week. Hopefully uh, my friend Zach Kyleman, who is a Bears fan and a fellow podcaster, will hop on. We'll try to do an episode each week on the Bears. That'll be coming out. So check all that out. Um, thank you guys again for watching and or listening. This is Coach Steve and we will see you next time.
Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.